0: Before we start this show, just a word from our sponsor. 20 by 20 Apparel. Founded in 2015, 20 by 20 Apparel brings original tributes to pro wrestling's classic arenas, moments, and events. They look to spotlight like the bloopers, bleeps, and body slams along with the biggest, smallest, strangest, and strongest that pro wrestling has had to offer. Along with their awesome line of pro wrestling apparel... They do offer many services. In the world of wrestling, there are hundreds of shirts, promotions, flyers, social media accounts, and ads. Don't get lost in the sea of parody shirts and display fonts. They can provide professional graphic design services at a reasonable price. 20 by 20 also hand screen prints all the tees in-house. If you would like to discuss possible run of tees, posters, koozies, foam fingers, or whatever... Drop them a line. Go to 20 by 20 apparel. That's the number 20 X, the number 20 apparel.com. Now let's get to the show. Fresh is the word.
1: I'm Jim Duggan. Got long wood for plenty. Of, I keep it fresher than fresh, but you already know you suck. It's
0: funny. I'm money. I got a ton of flows. My weed. Get quiet like you ballin' on a budget though We see your kicks and
1: we laugh and yellin' about of though You see me shinin' like a suit on Puffy You know my grindin' shit is too strong, buddy That's why the dude call money I be stuntin' like it's nothin' at all Cause it's nothin' to me It's probably somethin' to y'all. Tryin' to smoke like me to come and The pressure fresher than the freshest, you can tell it's in my essence, bitch, you see the way I'm rappin', yes, I do the shit to death, or tell I'm runnin' out of breath, or tell somebody cut a check, but either way, you know it's fresh, but either way, you know it's fresh, fresh, we fresh, fresh,
0: fresh, fresh, fresh,
1: goddammit, we fresh, 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 goddammit, we so damn fresh, fresh, fresh,
0: fresh, 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 Welcome to the Fresh of the Word podcast, I am your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. And on Fresh is the Word, we like to deliver wisdom through great stories from the minds of bright creatives of pop culture. And through those stories, we like to dissect the journey of our guests and present actionable lessons and advice for our listeners, no matter what career or avenue of artistry they pursue. And this is episode number 118. And this week's guest is hip-hop artist, rapper Big Pooh, As a member of the now-defunct hip-hop group, Little Brother, Rapper Big Poo has been able to venture out on his own, recording collaborative albums with the likes of Apollo Brown and Knotts, along with his most recent album, RPM, produced entirely by Focus. During our chat, we talked about how it's been being a solo artist, and having the little brother legacy always around, and about working with Focus on the new album, and and about his other role as an artist manager. There's a lot of lessons to be learned during this interview with rapper Big Poo. But before we get into that interview, I definitely want to give a shout out to Knox Money, Bang Belushi, and Foul Mouth for the theme music for Fresh of the Word. I also want to remind you how you can support the podcast. You can always go to freshofthepodcast.com and share any links that you see on the website for any of the episodes on any of your social media platforms. And also, you can subscribe to Fresh of the Word pretty much anywhere that. Podcasts are streamed, and that includes Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Stitcher Radio, Mixcloud, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, Breaker, Castbox, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Podbean, and Radio Public. Just type in Fresh to the Word and it should come up pretty much anywhere podcasts are streamed. And if you want to give a rating or review on any of those places, especially Apple Podcasts, that would help out the show immensely. And if you have anything you want to send me or any comments or questions, you can also email me at djkfresh at gmail.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at kfresh is the word and at Facebook at facebook.com slash kfresh. And you can also follow Fresh is the word on Twitter at fresh is the word. And that's is with I-Z and Instagram at fresh is the word podcast and at Facebook at facebook.com slash fresh is the podcast. All right, let's get into the interview with rapper Big Pooh. Actually, a few days ago, you came up in discussion with my uh, with my friend V Styles. You were on a couple of joints uh, of his, uh, Fantastic oh, yeah. Four and uh, Clash of the Titans.
1: Yeah, most definitely. That's my guy. That's my guy from Detroit.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I'm out here in Detroit, too. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, we were um, doing an interview for his new album, and but we were talking about other things too. And he brought you up, and everybody else he's been working with in the past, and everything. I don't know. I, I think
1: it was after I did started my little sports blog I had for a little while.
0: Yeah, that's what he. Uh, yeah, that's what he brought up because um, I think he said that uh, you had him uh, involved with something on your sports blog, and originally, I think. Uh, Andreas Hale was supposed to do it, but then like you, um, and then you had him do it or something.
1: Yeah, because um, I I know he's real real um, heavy into the UFC and the boxing, and and that's where I'm I'm not that heavy into those um, two sports, and so uh, I had him doing some writing for that, and I think that's he was like that's how he ended up meeting um, King Mo yeah uh yeah and so um i definitely remember that i i i just i just can't recall how we met though I right just,
0: <laughs> right it's right crazy. right yeah i was just like oh yeah man uh it was just funny when i was uh setting up this interview i was like oh yeah man uh these styles were just talking about uh poo the other day so i was like that's cool um yeah you got this uh new album out right now that um w- um with focus it's called uh, rpm uh rapper poo music dude it is uh i was just listening to it man it was re- really dope man it sounds really great um you know i see that um you know there's i see a quote where you said that uh, before like creatively creatively beforehand you weren't really in a great place you know sort of what was your mind today going into this album and why did you have to take some time you know to sort of step back and sort of concentrate on some other things
1: um well After I did the uh the Notch album uh, Home
0: Sweet Home in 2015 and the yeah.
1: Apollo Brown EP Words Paint Pictures in 2015 I just after that I just I just really had to find that love and that inspiration again um you know after a while when you're doing this if you're not achieving some of the things that you know some of the goals that you had that you set out um that you set before yourself, excuse me, then it, you know, it becomes, it almost becomes like a drain and it starts to feel like a job. And I was just doing things to do things, going through the motions. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to create that way. So I just really took a step back and and I knew I needed to get rejuvenated. And I just went into another phase in my career, which is managing Um, around, at the end of 2015, actually I started managing an artist by the name of Luke. Uh, that's currently signed to Dreamville Interscope Records. And even before that, um, I was going to L.A. a lot, back and forth to L.A. And um, uh, I helped uh, uh, a guy get over there by the name of King Maz And um, I helped facilitate him going over there to write for Dre. And he ended up working on what became Compton. And he worked extensively on it. And I was there for a few of those sessions. And it was just one of the things where I, I just, you know, I started to kind of, you know, fill in a little bit. And once I signed my first client as a manager, I decided to just really go knee deep into, you know, doing, being there for my artists and prioritizing yeah. and putting my artists first and, and just really getting into the management thing full swing and, it probably wasn't until about a year and a half ago uh, that me and Focus revisited the idea that came like two for- 2014 is when the idea of this project was was sprung. But it wasn't until like a year, year and a half ago that we really sat down and decided to to get to it. And um, we just started working on it. It was happening in bits and pieces because we both had other things going on. right? But we just we said, we're going to do it. and We just stuck with it. Like we'll work for about a month and then we wouldn't work for about three months. Then we'll work for about two weeks. Then we wouldn't work for about two months. So it was just one <laughs> of them types of processes. Right. But the, getting down to right before the album was released, we went about probably about two, two and a half to three months, like of straight intense, really getting to it. And, um, and we finally got to it. But during that time, like I was, when we first really started, it was me coming out of that 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 dark cloud that I had as far as creating was concerned, and as we went along, I started to really find that joy and that inspiration again and um so when I went into making this record, uh this record is actually you know it is it's me finding my why again. Like, why, why am I actually doing this? And, and actually creating to create, like I wasn't going through the motions. I wasn't, you know, I didn't really have a lot of expectations. I just wanted to create something and I just let my mind take over and not, I'll let my heart take over and not my mind and just, just created to create.
0: Right. Yeah. I think that's something that maybe a lot of people in creative avenues go through, from your perspective, why do you think you got into that sort of dark place creatively? Creatively,
1: uh, creatively? Um, just allowing others' expectations to become my expectations, uh, and and you know that was part of it. Part of it was I came from a group setting. I came from a successful group, little brother, and you know we achieved a lot of things and as I went off into my own solo career, I wasn't matching some of them things. I wasn't coming close to some of them achievements and that was bothering me. Like that was a thing that I, I couldn't I couldn't understand. And it took me a while to really get that, you know, as we all went off to do our own thing, we all created our own fan bases in the process. So yeah, it's some little brother carryover, but everybody isn't gonna you know, take that trip into solo world with you. So right. it, it took me it took me some time to really for that to become, you know, realistic to me. And
0: and
1: and I think that bled over into me not seeing certain things happen or not, you know, achieving certain things, and me being bothered by them um, throughout my solo career. And and I just needed that time to really reassess.
0: A group like Little Brother is, is a group that people always want to reunite. Does that, did that ever get in the way of your solo career? Does it ever bother you knowing that that expectation will always be there?
1: Uh, it, it only really bothers me when I'm setting out to promote something that I'm doing, you know, a new solo project. And instead of talking about that solo project, or not talking about that solo project and just not saying anything, people would, you know, they'll come and, and start doing the little brother talk. And, and I think that's the only time it really irritated me. You know, I, I'm, I'm flattered that, you know, that something that we did still resonates with people to this day so many years later, even after inactivity. So, you know, it's flattering, you know, to think about it that way. But then it's it's a nuisance. Like I said, when you're trying to, you know move on creatively or promote a new project and and all people want to do is bring up you know the group and it's like hey man i'm I'm talking and worried about this right now, I'm not worried about that and and i like I said I think that's the only time it really it really bothered me, but other than that man i I mean I grew to appreciate it like it meant something to me it meant I did something right
0: right from a managerial standpoint, you know when you stepped away from uh, you know, music to sort of oversee other artists. Where did you sort of get the spark to want to do that? It's something that I've kind of been hedging towards for a while. And,
1: you know, my manager and, and now business partner, he, he told me, I think it was like 2011, 2012. He told me that once I was ready to not have being an artist as my number one priority that he he thought I'd make a a good manager because he just saw how a lot of younger cats flocked to me for mentorship or for advice. And then he saw how I advised or mentored these artists. So he um it is something he saw in me and and then I always took took to doing some of the administrative things, even as far as little brother was concerned. I always wanted to know why certain things was done I wanted to learn how to do certain things right I wasn't just concerned with being an artist like I wanted to know everything so um you know as as time went on and, and I really started seeing like man like a lot of these young guys do come you know come seek me out for whatever reason and it just became one of them things where I was like man let me let me see what this is all about. And and I actually enjoy, I enjoy that other side. Like I, I have the experience of being an artist and and doing it at a pretty high level. And then I also understand the business aspect. So I'm able to bring both, uh, both worlds, you know, combine both worlds And, and a lot of cats respect that because normally they end up getting a manager that hasn't been a creative. So is certain aspects of being creative that you only understand if you're if you were or are a creative and, and I think they they definitely enjoy the artists that I that I manage, they actually, you know, that's one of the benefits of working with me.
0: Right. When you're taking this sort of mentor role with these artists, what sort of things are you talking about with them? What sort of lessons are you trying to teach them?
1: Uh it it varies on the artist. Um you know, delivering. That's that's a big that's a big lesson, uh, is delivering. Um being early is to be on time. Being on time is to be late. Like I, I was taught that um, in college and, and I definitely teach that to artists or, or talk to artists about that. I talk to artists about being themselves. Um finding out who they want to be as an artist. You know, the one thing I always say is that You know, you can go out and try to ride the fad train and, you know, it's a good chance that you still may fail. Like, I mean, just the numbers aren't in your favor when you step into you know being an artist anyway. But would you rather go out on your own terms or go out trying to follow a trend that probably ain't going to be around in the next two, three years? So just, you know, things like that and definitely you know talk to them about the business side because a lot of times cats get so caught up in the creative side that they ignore the business side and um you know you even if you're if you have somebody else like me to handle your business that you still should be abreast of what's going on you still should want to know what's going on and, and and be able to understand when we're having the conversation so uh I mean those are the general things that you know, I definitely, you know, talk, talk to uh, young cats about. And then, like I said, it also varies on where they are in their career or what type of advice they're seeking specifically.
0: What are some things that you've been able to learn as an artist going through everything you went through with Little Brother on into your uh, solo careers that you're able to, you know, bring into these uh, managerial roles?
1: Uh, growth, maturity um, perspective. Uh, you, you see things a certain way when you're just starting and, and, you know, that that has a lot to do with where you are as a person at that time. So just seeing some of the mistakes I made due to immaturity or, you know, I I can, as I'm older now, I can see, you know, look back and, and can see, and, um, so I, I think I think that's the major thing for me is just the perspective and, and the growth, and uh, that's probably the main thing for me.
0: Yeah, earlier you were talking about how you, you were able to help out uh, these artists like Lute or King Mez with their placements to where um um where they're at now. Uh, what um like talk about relationships you've been able to mold into, uh, from the, in the music industry. How do you go about, you know, making these uh, relationships with people to where you're able to help out these, these younger artists get into, you know, different places that they might not have been able to before.
1: Uh, it it go back to something else I, I alluded to earlier and that's delivery. Um, So even as I formed these relationships with these different people, when I was coming up, I delivered. When I said I was going to deliver, kept my word, Uh, you know, always made sure I, you know, project good energy because that's, that's very important. Uh, And and, and I didn't want anything, you know, it's a thing of, you can tell sometimes when people come around and, they're like vampires. They just want to take, 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 take.
0: <laughs> right. And,
1: uh, and you know, for me, it, it was a thing of, as, as I formed these relationships, I just made sure I nurtured the relationship. And, you know, I, I always did what I said I was going to do. And, and I didn't, you know, I didn't look for much back, if anything. And over time, people see that. And, and then, like I said, when you project good energy, when you come back around, with something. That's the, that's the thing about this business. Like I understand that if you have something that someone wants, you're going to be in demand. If you have nothing that someone wants, you're not going to be in demand. Like I understand that part. So I just keep the relationship good. And then when I come and I have something that I think they need or want, then I'm able to really put somebody in position or put somebody in place. And, and that's, that's the name of the game. It's like, you just got to know when to strike every, every opportunity is in the, is in the time to strike. Like you have to know when is the time to strike. And, and that's, that's the big thing about relationships. You got to know, you know, I genuinely have good relationships with a lot of these people just, you know, on a personal level, But then I know when it's time to pitch something and when it isn't. And a lot of people don't like they're always, you know, as soon as they meet somebody, they're just hyper aggressive. And, (laughs) oh man, uh, get me this. So I want to do this. I want to, it's like, (laughs) whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) You know, we, you know, I just met you yesterday. You know (laughs) know what I'm saying? So, um, so that's one of the things, man. And and once again, that's just being able to learn that over time and, and, uh, and, and learn how to really uh, nurture those relationships. Like that was, that was definitely an important, important thing for me.
0: Great. With the new album, RPM, you work with Focus. Um, and like you said, m- mentioned earlier, you had the projects with Knots and you had the project with another friend of mine, Apollo Brown. And then back in the day, um, you know uh, Ninth Wonder handled the productions and Little Brother. What's what's it like, sort you know, doing these projects where there's just one producer and you're just having this sort of, sort of one-on-one collaborative effort with these people, you know, from your perspective?
1: Uh, for me, it's a vibe, man. Like you have to have a good vibe and get into a great rhythm with that producer. Because uh, the one thing that can happen while it's easier from a sound perspective to what one producer, the one thing that can happen very easily is for it to become monotone for, you know, for you not to have any dynamic within your project. And, and that can, that can happen so easily because you're not worried about things matching anymore. It's like, I'm getting it from this one producer. I know for 99% sure that every beat you send me is going to work with every beat I already use. But you have to be careful of making sure that everything is in one note. So, um, but it, like I said, working with these different producers for me, is just, it's been a vibe. It's been an energy that we've had or created. And once we got rolling, we got really rolling. And then it was up to me and that, and that producer to really make sure that we curated what we were doing to make sure we had dynamic within the project. And, and I mean, I I enjoy it, man. It's it's his own challenge. Everything, you know, people, obviously it's, it's a little easier than trying to match multiple producers, but it's still a challenge. So I definitely enjoy working with the one producers. I enjoy being able to get into a rhythm or create a, a moment with these producers and, and, I mean, it's just something for me that I've done projects both ways, but this is definitely something that I really enjoy.
0: How do you uh, combat combat that idea that, um, you know, working with one producer could, you know, lead to being monotone? You know, what sort of level of honesty has to be there in the creative process to make it dynamic?
1: You got to be a hundred percent honest, man. Like, you have to, you know, I have to, as a writer and, and, and the MC, I have to be honest enough to tell a producer when I'm not feeling something. I have to be honest enough to tell a producer when I want to try something different or when, you know, I'm uncomfortable with something or whatever. And then as a producer, you have to be honest when, with the MC or the writer when, and tell them when you don't think something is up to par and then at the end of the day, excuse me you have to be able to be able to step out of outside of your conventional box when you're creating you have to be able to push yourself um, or be pushed and and that's something I definitely learned working with focus on this on the rpm project was allowing him to really produce and and allow him to push me places that I wouldn't have push myself to, you know what I'm saying? So, and, and he challenged me on things and, and that's something I needed where I was and that forced me to really be on my toes and not go through the motions and creating this project. And I and that's why the project came out the way it did. This is, you know, I know a lot of people always say that about their latest work, but this is definitely some of my <laughs> best work. It, it feels, even for me, it feels fresh. Like it feels like I actually had to go back to the drawing board on this one, as opposed to, uh, time for me to make another album. Let me find some beats, to write these raps. Like it, it was a, a genuine excitement because I knew I was being pushed and challenged to, to bring out my absolute best.
0: Yeah. Let's extend on that a little bit. You know, uh, you, you kind of started on it already, but what was it about the sort of the method of operation of his work that, um, with focus that made you you know get into this great place up this great place creatively again you know what was just about working with him that was just so great
1: uh first man first thing we did was you know we had a few conversations about the sound and that's something that I haven't had. Like normally it's the producer starts sending me tracks and then I'll kind of figure out where I want to go or what I want the sound palette to be. But Focus and I actually had like at least two or three conversations or more discussing what we wanted the project to sound like. He asked me what I wanted it to sound like. He told me what he wanted to do and, you know, gave me some examples. And, you know, we went back and forth and got that. You know, got that conversation out the way, and then as we started to record in the beginning, he had a goal for me, and that was to keep me out of my natural pocket that I fall into as a as a rapper. And in doing that, he he it came with a set of challenges that I was issued, and in the challenge, so like one of the challenges were was to write to an eighty five. BPM metronome write and record to 85 BPM metronome like that's it and now I'm not sitting in front of him doing this so I easily which I, I started to but then I, I, I kept it honest because I'd be only cheating myself <laughs> but writing to an 85 BPM metronome is some of the most monotonous uninspirational things <laughs> you can do for somebody that draws inspiration from music so, as I'm listening to this thing just go click, 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 um, I just, you know, I, I pulled up like a drum track at first, and I said, man, well, I'm going to write to the drum track and then record it to the metronome, but I, I said, let me do this honest, let me not cheat myself. So, <laughs> I just sat, and I had to really, really, like, it actually took me a couple of days because I had to really find, like, dig deep and find something. And and, and I finally got it, and I, I did it, and I sent it to him. And he was like, once he put it to a beat, he was like, yo, this is crazy. You're not – you're like, you You go through about two or three different pockets. Like, you got ad Like, how did you do this, like, with no beat? And I was like, man, I, I just – <laughs> I took to the challenge. You know, and I, I really took to the challenge. And so that song actually became the title track RPM. And so, you know, just that challenge, you know, I had another challenge where he was like, yo, I want you to write backwards to the Par- the Beastie Boys Par Reverde. I want you to write a story backwards. So that was the challenge. That became the cycle. Uh, so just just little things like that, and he's just issuing me different challenges, and it, it gets you out of your comfort zone. Like you you have no choice but the, if you if you take to the to the challenge honestly, it gets you out of your comfort zone. So those were just little things, and and after a while, I didn't we didn't have to do that anymore because I understood what the goal was. The goal was to keep me out of my natural pocket. So I could sound fresh and sound new and sound energized. And once I understood what the challenges were for, in, in in totality, after a few of them, I was able to move on and just approach songs with a with a different uh, perspective.
0: How do you feel like those challenges, you know, changed you, um, you know, as a creative, as an MC? You know, how do you feel like? those challenges made you grow as an artist?
1: Uh, the big thing for me is it made me really take the time as I'm writing now to think, think about what I'm trying to say, think about how I'm trying to say it, think about the pattern, uh, you know, revisit to make sure I'm saying things the exact way out, you know, the saying them the exact way I want to say them, like all those different things I, I didn't really think about before. I would just I would just start writing and I probably could finish a, a verse in, you know, an hour, maybe two, depending on how I inspired I am to write to the beat. But what those challenges did was it really made me take my time more than anything. I wasn't rushing through things anymore, just to say, yo, I can get this done quick. Like, I started to actually take my time and go back over stuff. Can I say this better? Can I replace this word? Can I tighten this line up? Like, it forced me to start doing that. And and even as I move and do guest verses or whatever today, I those are things that I go into those verses doing. Now they're becoming habit for me. And yes, it takes me a little bit more time but the product comes out a hundred percent better.
0: Those initial discussions that you were having with focus on the project and then just sort of the back and forth discussions throughout the project. How do you feel like that made the project better?
1: I think it made the project better because we were on the same
0: page at the end of the, you know, at the beginning and the end of the
1: day, we we started off on the same page and we ended on the same page. And I think that that's why those conversations were so important in the beginning because as we started to actually make music we were on the same page like we both understood what we were trying to accomplish and you know without those conversations there might have been some friction or some pushback in the beginning from me uh, not understanding where focus was trying to take me and him not understanding where I was trying to go myself so those conversations were the foundation to what became RPM and and I'm glad that we had those because without those you might not have the project you have today or you might not have a project period in,
0: com- in comparison to the previous producers you worked with, you know, what's the difference between working with a focus as opposed to working with Knots or um, Apollo Brown or even Ninth Wonder?
1: Um, for the most part, I just I got to the point in my career where I was pretty much able to produce myself. And, you know, specifically for the Apollo project and the uh, Notch project, I I was given a lot of leeway by both of those producers to pretty much do my thing. And then, then of course, they come in with their suggestions and, and they did the mixing and, and all those things. But for the most part, I, I put the project together. Like, I picked the beats I wanted to use. Uh, I went and completed the songs, you know, I arranged them, sequenced them, all that. So I was just giving that leeway, whereas with Focus, he was very hands-on. So from day one, like, he was only sending me, he'll send me one or two beats at a time. Or he wouldn't even send me a beat. It was like, yo, find your favorite old-school rap joint and do a joint over that, and then send me the vocals. Like, so I wasn't hearing beats for some of these songs in, until they were coming together. Like, I, cause I wouldn't even record them to the beat that <laughs> they became on the project. Right. So it, it was one of those things where he was very hands-on and, and very, you know, and, and definitely allowed me to have my input, you know, cause he trusts me as, you know, to put a record together. But for the most part, I allowed him to do what he does best. And that's
0: produce. Was there anything from your managerial work that influenced the making of this album
1: nah i just i went I went straight into creative world um <laughs> I just allowed myself to 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 fully immerse into being a creative and not think about anything other than trying to create the best product I can create when i when I go deep into for myself, when I go deep into into that creative zone, I try not to blend music and business until I'm about done with the project. Um, I try to just stay into that creative zone to get the best project that I could get out at the moment. Um, now, at the time, I'm you know I'm able to multitask, so I can help my artists, you know, as they're they were doing what they were doing. But as it pertains to me and that project, I try to stay in creative world as long as I could, and not think about all of the business stuff that comes after being creative.
0: How do you uh, sort of keep those two worlds apart?
1: It's tough, man. It's tough. Um, It's tough. Uh, But it's just a thing of you got to really train your mind to do it because it's a tough thing to do. And, I mean, shit, it's tough to even – you know, be creative in, in one minute and then got to stop and go do something managerial. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's tough because a lot of managerial stuff is conversations or, you know, administrative paperwork type of thing. So it, it's, it's a tough thing to do, but um, I tried to make it work the best I could. Uh, you know, I know what my priorities are obviously my artists that I have, but I'm also a creator. Like, that's even conversations I've had with both, you know, the artists that I manage now and that, you know, just constantly have those conversations, let them know, like, I'm a creator. The only difference between me now and me, you know, five, 10 years ago is I'm not concerned with being, you know, big time, number one artist, or any of that. Like, I put out music just because I'm inspired to create and put out music and what happens with it is what happens with it. But my priority will always be my my artist that I have, so uh you know I definitely talk to them about that. Show them that, which is more important than talking to them about it. And and then when I'm able to have the moments where it's just me and being able to create, I I can have the moments to create.
0: Yeah, I always like to ask this question of people in that interview: What is so um, what is something that you've learned over your career? Maybe some nugget of knowledge that anybody listening to this, no matter what avenue of artistry they're in, they can sort of project into their own life and have some actionable advice that they could learn from.
1: Um, man, probably, I mean, you know, I touched on it earlier, man, but probably my, my, my number one, Nugget of advice will always be to not be afraid to be who you are as a creator. Um, now, especially now, because of social media and streaming numbers, you know, as it pertains to music, obviously. But we we get so influenced easily to want to follow trends if we see something selling, or we see people talking about a certain, you know, thing or whatever. And we we're, we want that. And, and it's so easy for us to fall into that trap of following trends or following fads right. that we kind of lose, lose ourselves in the process. And, and that's something that I, I learned early. and something that I preach religiously is to definitely figure out who you want to be as a creative, as an artist of any, any medium and do that. Be that. like, Be who you want to be. Don't be who you think you have to be. Be who you want to be. And no matter what level of success you achieve, you'll always be able to look yourself in the face and be like, look yourself in the mirror, excuse me, and be like, I did it my way. I did it the way I wanted to do it. You Succeed. You you, you technically don't fail as soon as you try, but you know, your level of success just varies. And this ain't meant for everybody. Everybody isn't going to turn into, you know, the next Drake or Jay-Z or (laughs) J. Cole or, you know, whoever. Like, everybody isn't meant for that. That's why they're exceptional. Um, But as long as you go out swinging the way, being who you want to be as opposed to being who you think you should be, it, it, you'll definitely, it'll be some success in there for you.
0: What's next for you?
1: Oh, man, back to managing. Um, <laughs> uh, I have uh, my artist, Lou. he's working on finishing up two EPs for 2019. So we're trying to get those together and get those out. And then you have uh, my artist, Black Soul. He's a singer-songwriter from Tacoma, Washington, he just, uh, he co-wrote a song on um, Anderson Packs new album. So we're trying to put together a few situations for him so he can, you know, get get an album out in 2019. And uh, I have a producer, uh, Praise, who just finished up. Uh, they, he released the uh, All Praises Do with Torre, um a couple months ago. So that's, I mean, for me, man, just figuring out what's next for them and, you know, shooting visuals, uh, planning to shoot some visuals for the RPM project, still working that, you know, slow, slow, slow cooker, you know, it's not about first week sales over here. So just, just still spreading the word on RPM and and getting as many people as possible to, you know, go give it a chance and and hopefully to share it with somebody if they enjoy what they hear that's that's what's next for me all
0: right yeah that's what's up man it's been a uh, great talking with you man uh before we get out of here where can people go online to get more information about about you and the new project uh, rpm with uh focus
1: sure um you can go you can follow me on social media uh, twitter instagram is uh, rapper big Pooh, all spelled correctly and poo with a H, please not p-o-o but p-o-o-h <laughs> Uh, Rapper Big Poo on Instagram and Twitter. And then you can also follow me on um, Facebook. Uh, My Facebook fan page is Rapper Big Poo and the number one. Uh, I got some, you know, exciting things coming uh, 2019. Uh, I'm bringing back my sports podcast, Poo on Sports. So that's coming back in 2019. Um, I started DJing uh, for, for my artists as we went on tour. So just been working on that craft for the past year. So I got some mixes. We will start putting out Wix, uh not mixes, mixes every Wednesday. Uh, a jam called uh, a mix called whatever Wednesday. So um, that's gonna be coming next year. And yeah, man, just follow me on social media. You know, I, I'm putting up information tidbits about the album. You'll figure out if you're gonna, you know, where I'm gonna be performing or. Uh, when videos drop in, or you can check out, you know, other interviews, the podcast like this one via the page. So come check me out.
0: All right, great man. It's been great talking with. You. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me. All right, that was my interview with rapper Big Poo. Links will be in the show notes for this episode at FreshOfThePodcast dot com to where you can stream and purchase the new album RPM from rapper Big Poo and focus and where you can follow rapper big poo online on facebook twitter and instagram all right that's another show in the books thank you for listening goodbye and good night